0: Today on Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job, we're learning how our God-given gifts are meant to help one another.
1: Pastor, this person's in sin. Could you rebuke them? No, you rebuke them. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You discern. This is called the priesthood of all believers. We all have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We are the people of God.
0: Welcome to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Jobe, Senior Pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago and President of Moody Bible Institute. And I'm Wayne Shepard. Today we'll turn to the book of Ephesians as we begin the first part of the final message in our Gifted series. And Mark will explore how our unique God-given gifts are meant to help one another and really show everyone a picture of God. That's what it's all about, isn't it?
1: It really is. And Wayne, what happens oftentimes is there's a huge divide between Quote unquote clergy and lay people. I see it in the Old Testament, but not in the New Testament. And the Bible talks about the priesthood of all believers, which means that we all have a calling. It's not the holy man, quote unquote, that has a calling. We just said and receive. We are all gifted. We are all called. And we all need to engage in the mission and calling that God has upon our life.
0: I love the title you've given this message, Mark, Unleashing People Power. So let's <laughs> begin the message now with Mark Job and today's Bold Steps Weekend.
1: Many of you know that I started pastoring this church when I was 21 years old. I've already asked forgiveness for all those that had to endure my ministry as a 21-year-old. But one of the things I had to learn as a pastor... <clears throat> that I did not quite understand when I started pastoring. I I started pastoring the church, and I understood that God had called me to minister, but I didn't understand the power of the people of God. And so when I first started ministry, I took on way too much responsibility in myself and did not empower the people to do the work of God enough. And I remember in the first beginning days, there was just a handful of us there, under 20 people, and we gathered together. And I pretty much, I would preach and lead the Bible studies and set up the chairs and clean the bathrooms and pray for people at the altar, and um, I... Uh, emptied, helped lead the crew that emptied out the bell tower of Pigeon Poo um, at 44th and Polina, and I married and buried and baptized and prayed and mentored and discipled and was the counselor, pretty much kind of a one-man operation in the beginning until shortly into the ministry, I felt like something's wrong with this model. Because I'm getting calls day and night. And people that are selling me, Pastor, I got my wife in a chokehold. Could you come in here and help us out? True story. Pastor, come. could you come here? What's going on over there? I got my wife in a chokehold. Can you come over here? I'll be there right away. Hold on. Rather, let go, please. He did. He locked himself in the bathroom. But I quickly realized that there was something wrong with this model that I felt overworked. And so many people in the congregation felt underused. We had this mentality, many people had come from a religious environment in which there were the holy people that were supposed to do the God stuff, and then all the rest that were supposed to just go to the man of God to receive the God stuff, but they weren't really holy enough to do any of the God stuff. They just kind of sat there and received what the man of God did, and the prayer, and the blessing, and pretty much thought, hey, we're not really qualified to do the ministry God stuff. That's for those that have been theologically trained or equipped to do so, but the rest of us are just to kind of hear, just clap and rally on the people that are doing the ministry stuff. But as I started reading the Bible, I started understanding and realizing that, hey, that's not the church in the New Testament. In fact, the New Testament church, everybody has a gift. And everybody has a call. And everybody is supposed to do ministry one way or another, whether you're a plumber or electrician or a mechanic or a police officer or a teacher. We all have gifts that God has called us to do. And when the people of God begin to use their gifts, then the church becomes an unstoppable force of change when we all discover that we have gifts to use. Tell the person beside you, I'm gifted. gifted. Come on. And so over the years, it's been my deep desire to train, mobilize, and unleash the power of this thing that we call the local church that is a powerful force of change in our society. And when we discover that we are all gifted and all called To the work of the ministry amen Amen. so i want to talk to you a little bit out of ephesians chapter 4 because i believe that ephesians chapter 4 is one of the most powerful passages on what the church should look like and what it means to unleash the power of the gifts and the ministries that exist within the local church the key verse in this passage i believe is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, that says, instead, speaking the truth in love. We all in all things grow up into him, who is the head, that is Christ. You see, the church expands and explodes into utilizing their gifts when we operate in the culture that is formed by truth and love. Those two words can begin to shape a culture that allows us to step into the places of being used by God. Truth and love. It's that two-winged operation that allows the airplane of the church to fly. If the church only has truth but has no love, the airplane spins around as a one-ring flying object. If it has only love but no truth, then it also spins in the other direction, flying around but not accomplishing much. If a church has only truth, then it always is concerned about being right, who's right and who's wrong. It's about dead theology without practicality. It's about knowledge and notes and doctrine without relationship, and it becomes sterile and heartless and hard, and many of you have been subject to that kind of church that was all about who was right and who was wrong, but it just seemed like no one really cared about people in those churches. And then you may have a church that emphasizes love, and it's all about love, but they have no concern about truth. And so whatever anybody does, it's, well, it's okay, it's all right, We're just supposed to love everybody, but no one's challenged. No one's moved forward. Everybody stays the same and is patted on the back and says, well, we're just loving everybody. But no one's challenged to grow. No one's challenged to become more like God. No one's challenged to go on mission. No one's challenged to believe. No one's challenged and oftentimes believe the wrong things because there's a lack of truth, even in the emphasis of love. So if you have a church, a church that has the balance of truth and love, you have a dynamic, powerful force that can move forward and bring about a lot of change. And so I want to just talk to you for a few moments about that in Ephesians chapter four. If you take a notes, jot this down. Number one, I believe out of this passage, we learned that we need to accept that each of us have received gifts that are specially selected by God for us. In verse 7 it says, But each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. Grace, as we learned before, is the word cherish, which comes from the word charisma, which we get the word grace from. Grace is an unmerited, undeserved gift that we receive. We have nothing to do with why it's given to us. It's given to us just because God chooses to give it to us. And this passage tells us that each one of us has received a grace that has been apportioned to us by Christ. You have a gift. Now, that, that gift doesn't make you any better or worse than anybody else because you did nothing to deserve the gift that you have. God just gave it to you. And you have a gift, but with that gift comes a responsibility to use that gift. And it says in verse 8, this is why, speaking of Christ." When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fulfill the whole universe. The idea here is that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died and became a victor. He conquered death. He conquered sin, and when he conquered, he descended into the lower parts of the earth, and some people believe that uh, that that this descending to the lower parts of the earth has to do with he descending into the very portions of hell and setting the captives free that had been bound, and Jesus Christ is the victor. The, the thought behind this is that when someone conquers, he brings spoils, the spoils of victory with him. The conqueror always has gifts with him. And the idea is that when Jesus died on the cross and conquered death and sin, that he brought gifts with him and he distributed his gifts to his church, each of us individually, because Jesus has conquered, you are gifted. Yeah, oh no, you didn't hear me. Because Jesus has conquered, you are gifted. If Jesus had never conquered, you would not be gifted. Do you understand that? Because Jesus rose from the dead, he has sent the Holy Spirit with gifts. It's the spoils of his conquering. And he has apportioned you a special, powerful gift that has come from him. And it is that gift that God has called you to utilize for the good of other people.
0: listening to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job, And for more tools and resources designed to help you unleash your power, visit boldstepsweekend.org. Now, we're only about halfway through today's lesson, but coming up at the close of the program, I'll tell you about a book we'd love to send you called all That's Good, Recovering the Lost Art of Discernment. God wants to equip us with discernment, and true biblical discernment is exactly what we need to unlock the goodness this life has to offer. So if you keep listening, I'll tell you how to request a copy for your own library. You can learn more right now at boldstepsweekend.org. Now let's get back to our message. We're talking about unleashing people power with our Bible teacher, Mark Joe. Number two, I want you to understand that
1: leadership gifts are given to empower others. Verse 11, it says, It was He, speaking about Christ, who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for the works of service. Uh, People refer to these as the five-fold ministries. These are primarily leadership ministries. And I want you to understand the emphasis about this that God has given leaders to the church not to do the work of the ministry. He didn't say I gave apostles, pastors, prophets, evangelists and teachers so that the people would not have to do ministry and they could just cheer on the leaders. He says, I gave these fivefold ministries to the church. Verse 12 tells us why. To do what? Prepare to prepare God's people for what? Service. For service. You see, the leaders are the coaches of the people. This is not a healthy church. It's not a church where the pastor prays for everybody, leads everything, does all the ministry, marries, buries, baptizes, leads all the group. That's not a healthy church. That is a pastor-centric church. That is a bottleneck church. That is a church that is flowing at only part of their capacity. That is not a spirit-empowered, unleashed church. Apostles, and let me just define this a little bit, apostles are It means sent ones, it's those that pioneer and extend, those that help start other churches and transform cultures. Prophets, those are those that foretell and foretell, particularly attuned to God's word and truth for the day. Evangelists, those that proclaim and recruit other people out of darkness as they proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, helping people to come into the kingdom. Uh, Shepherds or pastors are those that nurture and protect the congregation as they help them grow as caregivers in the community. Teachers, those that understand and explain, communicators of God's truth, of wisdom, and help people remain biblically grounded and better discern God's will. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, uh, they are called not to do the work of ministry, but they are called to empower the people of God within the church to do the work of ministry. Do you understand that? I don't know if you noticed today at these baptismal tanks that there was no pastor there baptizing people. Anybody notice that? I don't know. Pastor Mike may have stuck his hand in there one way or another. I don't know, but... And some of you that come from a different tradition may say, hey, hold on a second. Who are those people baptizing those people? Is that even legal? (laughs) Do you know why we had people, mentors, around them? Some of them housewives, some of them electricians, plumbers, city workers, teachers, who are doing the the baptizing. You know why? Because the Bible tells us, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the command is not towards pastors, apostles, preachers, teachers. The command is towards all believers. And so it's the church of God that rises up to do the work of God, to influence the people of God, because we all have a sacred calling upon us. And we want to take it out. You know, there was a time uh, several hundred years ago that Bibles were chained to the pulpits of churches and that the only people that were allowed to read the Bible were professional clergy. And by and large, most people did not have Bibles. And it was the professional clergy that would read the Bible to the people. And people were discouraged from reading the Bible themselves because the common thought, "Well, well, you're not theologically educated, so reading the Bible may confuse you. So you just need to listen to what the preacher priest has to say to give you the Word of God. And so it was the clergy that would pray, offer communion, baptize, teach, and it became very centered around the man of God that was in the pulpit, but the people of God, for the most part, just recited the prayers taught to them by professional clergy. In some traditions, it was the priest only that someone who had sin would come to, and it was the priest that would absolve them from their sin. They had no direct access to God. It was the priest that would offer the communion. In other words, it was the priest that was the mediator that would actually, in certain theological circles, say that you receive Christ through the hand of a priest, but you cannot receive Christ without the hand of a priest. In certain circles, it was the teaching from the Word of God that was given only, to the pr- only through the clergy, and no one had access to it except through the clergy. It was the clergy that would forgive you your sins at the end while you were dying and about to meet your maker. And unless you had the clergy do a special ceremony over the dying person, that person felt like I'm going to, I'm, I'll probably end up in hell unless the man of God comes and does some special prayer over me. That gives a lot of power. Access to God is not through the people in that theology. Access to God is not directly through Jesus in that theology. Access to God is through the priest or clergy or man of God. The people come to God through the man of God who dispenses religious services. That is not biblical. Hey, if you come to me and say, Pastor... Forgive me, Pastor Mark, for I have sinned. I'm gonna say, Forgive me too, because I have sinned also. (laughs) Don't come to me with your sins. I didn't die on a cross. I didn't pay a price for you. You have a mediator. His name is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He forgives, He delivers, He heals. He changes people around. It's not a man or a person. It's Jesus who died on the cross. You don't have to come to me to get to Jesus. You go directly to God through Jesus Christ, the mediator. You have direct access to the Father. You don't need an in-between person. You already have that in-between person called the Messiah, the mediator, the high priest, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. You don't have to come to me. To try to figure out how to pray, you need to learn how to pray. You don't need to come to me for me to teach you the Word of God. You need to study the Word of God on your own. You don't need... Hey, listen. You don't need to bring a person to me and say, Pastor, this person's not saved. Can you save them? No, I don't save anybody. You need to lead them to Jesus. You need to pray over them and help them to come to God. Pastor, this person's in sin. Could you rebuke them? No, you rebuke them. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You discern. You are. This is called the priesthood of all believers. We all have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We are the people of God. We are the people of God. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell the uh, church in Ephesus that we are the people of God. And so God has given, yes, spiritual leaders, but not to do the work of the ministry, but to empower the church, to be the church and do the work of the ministry. We have 300 small groups that happen throughout the city of Chicago. Most of them are led by non-clergy pastoral people. They're led by just people that love Jesus and are teaching the word of god in the bible we've unleashed the power of the people of god and then he goes on to say so that the body of christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of god and become mature attaining to the whole measure the fullness of christ then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. So number three is you need to recognize that your gift is a power to build unity and maturity. That you have been given a gift by God through the Holy Spirit, that when you begin to use your gifts, you are, we are the body of Christ. The head of this church is not Mark Job. The head of this church Is Jesus Christ the shepherd of all mankind? He is the chief shepherd. I am an under shepherd, but Jesus is the head of the church, not a man, not a person. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We are the body of Christ, each of us connected to the head of Christ, and yeah, there's structure and order um, within the church, but Jesus is the head of the church. And when we, the body, begin to use our gifts, then we are built up so that everyone in the body reaches unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature, You see, when we're all using our gifts, it breeds maturity in the people around us. What does maturity mean? Maturity means that I've been around the things of God and I've been tested by God and I've grown in the word and I've grown in character so that I'm not a spiritual infant easily dissuaded by false doctrine, easily thrown back and forth by any wave. The body grows in unity, but we also grow in maturity.
0: That's Pastor Mark Job, and you're listening to Bold Steps Weekend. You can find us right here in your local station and online at boldstepsweekend.org or listen on TuneIn Radio. These are just a few of the ways we're making it easy to listen whenever and wherever it's convenient for you. At Bold Steps Weekend, it's our mission to discuss real-life issues such as the global uncertainty and economic hardships we're all facing in an authentic way, a way that helps people remember and focus on the hope of Christ. And by giving a monthly gift to support this ministry, you'll join a special group of listeners that we call Bold Partners. These faithful monthly givers are believers just like you and me who want to see the world focus on Jesus everywhere. So sign up today by calling 866-535-5580. That's 866-535-5580 or sign up online at boldstepsweekend.org. And today, whether you sign up to give a monthly gift or you give a one-time donation of any amount to support Bold Steps Weekend, we'll say thanks by sending you a copy of our latest Bold Action Gift. It's a book by Hannah Anderson called All That's Good, Recovering the Lost Art of Discernment. If you're tired of feeling unsure in your decisions, exhausted from the worry that your next step will land you somewhere you don't want to be, make a great choice today by requesting your copy of this insightful guide to wisdom. Ask for the book, All That's Good, when you contact us. Go to BoldStepsWeekend.org. And one last reminder before we go, don't forget to sign up for Mark's weekly email devotional, The Bold Stepper Weekly. It's free and delivered automatically to your inbox every Monday morning. You can sign up online at BoldStepsWeekend.org. I'm Wayne Shepard. On behalf of the entire team, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time for Bold Steps Weekend. Old Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.